Hello and welcome to this podcast. This is Coffee and Books. I am Scott, your host. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're going to talk today about a special book. Um, this is a bonus episode and it is not manga related. It is actually related to a novel slash biography I've recently read. And we're going to talk a lot about a lot of hard and difficult subjects today. So just be warned, this particular uh, episode is going to be different than the ones we've talked about in our past. Um, it talks about a lot of triggering scenes. It talks about a lot of uh, racism, anti-Semitism. It talks about the caste system that exists in the world. And it talks about um, all different types of terrible things that have happened. Uh, but it also is a reflective piece that one book of the year in 2020. Uh, this is a personal experience of an author as well as a sort of uh, guiding light for hope that gives us all a chance to appreciate the world as it can be. Um, you know, like I think a lot of the time, hopeful messages of books like this can be seen as sort of naive, but I really do believe the author um, and that this book in particular, it's warning you about the dangers of the caste system, but it's also telling you, hey, it's possible to overcome it. And this author is an inspiring person. Her name is Isabel Wilkerson. Uh, so she wrote this book, which is titled today, um, Cast, The Origin of Our Discontent. Um, it is a fantastic overview of the caste system. Um, like I said, it deals with everything from this author's viewpoint of what she had to deal with growing up as an African-American woman in the United States. Um, she talks about the caste system and gives three primary examples. Uh, she gives the India caste system of untouchables. She gives the Nazi German caste system uh, from the 1930s and 40s, and she gives the United States caste system primarily during the era of slavery and the Jim Crow era. So let's talk today about this book and what it means. So without further ado, basically the concept of this book is going to talk about what the caste system is. And there's eight pillars to the caste system. So like I said, we've mentioned three different examples of the caste system so far. Now let's talk about the beliefs that are in common with all of those systems. The first is divine will. Divine will is uh, the social mobility of our, our caste system is out of our control. It means that either God or a higher power has given control of one group over another group of people. Uh, the Bible is, for instance, often used to justify this in certain examples. Um, so, again, a very prominent belief in common with all of these, Nazi Germany, India, and the United States during the Jim Crow and slavery eras, is the divine will or belief that one group of people should be dominant over another group of people because it's the divine will of a higher power. And number two, a second pillar, is called heritable traits. It means that, uh, for example, a caste or a group of people has to be able to inherit certain traits or characteristics that are passed down from one group of people to another. Um, slavery is a great example of this. In the United States, the uh, slavery system was used to justify slavery by using the one-drop method. Many, including Nazi Germany, actually thought this was a too extreme example. But in the United States, if you had one drop of African blood in you, it would be considered a African-American. And that could mean you could be enslaved forever or subject to certain laws during the Jim Crow era. Uh, but basically, for this particular pillar... What it means is that you could directly inherit a heritable trait. 
whether that be religion, uh, certain facial characteristics, uh, race, uh, gender, all those things can be considered inherited to a certain degree or extent. Uh, in particular, the United States example, African Americans, obviously, if they had children, would also be subject to the same forms of discrimination, slavery, and other uh, things that were heritable traits that were thrust upon them. Um, number three, the third pillar, is called endogamy. That's the belief that the caste systems should not mix or marry. One very important characteristic of endogamy is that the belief that basically if you are a one group or one lower caste, you should not be able to mix with a different member of a different caste. You would only work in your defined roles and you would not mix and match. And for that reason, marriages were prevented throughout history between caste systems. Um, which leads into pillar number four, purity and pollution. It was the belief that one group was considered pure and that another group was considered below you. Um, in India, for instance, there are different pillars of the caste system, meaning different groups of people, and it was considered unpure for a untouchable uh, person to mix and marry with someone who was of a higher caste. Uh, this again goes to the endogamy principle, but also the purity and pollution principle. The belief that one group is considered clean and that the other group is considered dirty. In pillar number five, it's called the occupational hierarchy. Not only were there certain beliefs that prevented people from getting married and improving their social status, but also their economic status. Occupational hierarchy is the restrictions that were placed upon certain groups of people, such as the Jim Crow laws that prohibited African Americans from doing jobs other than agriculture in certain parts of the world. Um, and number six, we have dehumanization. Another example of this would be games that were played, uh, such as minstrel shows, carnival rides that were racist, different depictions of or different groups of people in a negative way, whether they be Jewish, African-American, no matter what minority they might be, Asian. All of that is very, very problematic on a lot of different levels that we've touched on so far. But dehumanization is a very important trait we'll see throughout the series. And number seven, we have, of course, the thing that enforces everything, the terror and cruelty pillar. And that was basically using force to showcase and ensure that other groups of people felt that they needed to live in fear. Uh, this was very important because the only way to control it was to enforce the system. And so with terror and cruelty, if another group of people were fearing for their safety and their lives, they would not argue whether or not they were uh, needing to be treated better. They would be too busy fearing the other group or caste of people. And number eight, last but not least, we had the belief in inherent superiority and an inherent weakness in caste system. Uh, this is the belief that the lower caste should not be able to improve uh, with strength, that they should be where they deserve to be. In other words, if a lower caste member of society were to suddenly display more wealth, that would be looked down upon by the other members of caste and society. And what's so, again, intriguing about all these pillars and characteristics is that they don't just apply to, for instance, uh, racism or anti-Semitism. They can be applied in a number of different ways. As I said, we mentioned the Indian caste system, which came from religion. Uh, we mentioned the Nazi Germany Association because it wasn't just about a race of people. 
And we mentioned the United States and slavery because it just is the clear-cut examples of a caste system at work. And one could argue racism, anti-Semitism, and the bigotry all exist within a caste system. But what is the caste system used for? Well, that is what the whole point of this book is, which is explaining that the caste system needs to show that there's a bottom rung. And the reason why that is is because while politicians and people in power are screwing most of the people that are out there out of their societal status, they need to feel threatened by these other groups that are lower than them. And why should you feel threatened? Well, if they make you think that they're the ones that are responsible for your problems, then you're going to scapegoat them. And scapegoating is a very problematic idea, but again, it makes complete sense. If you're scapegoating a caste member of society, then you're not going to be worried about why a politician or dictator or member of the U.S. government or whoever it is is basically taking away your freedoms and your rights. Um, and that's what's so crazy to me, that this actually works and has worked throughout human society and history. But it's very true. Uh, if you are too busy blaming someone else for your problems, you're not going to be open to what is actually the problem. And that does, unfortunately, work very well. Um, and even in today's modern era, we see this. Uh, and the disproportionate effects of societal problems uh, caused by caste. Um, so we talk a lot about societal problems here on this podcast. Uh, with police brutality, we've talked about everything from how sleep affects you. Uh, for instance, uh, I had a great podcast that's my most popular episode called How Sleep Works. Um, it is a great book as well, but why that one is so important is it shows minorities are disproportionately affected by their lack of sleep. If you're too busy trying to make yourself a living and you're working more hours and more hours and not getting enough sleep, what you're doing is, is you're hurting your body. And the detrimental health effects that are caused by that uh, cause you to have a lower life expectancy. And this is what's commonly seen in caste systems, is that the lower-rung members of society often are doing the jobs that nobody wants to do. And as a result of that, they are often treated lower class as citizens anyway. But those people often have a lower life expectancy. They have and struggle with economic mobility. They struggle with um, making healthier life decisions and choices because they are put down so much. So not only do you have to struggle mentally and physically and have a lower life expectancy, you will all be suppressed by maybe even your government or other such uh, things that exist in the world. In fact, that's what makes it so terrible is that people are willingly accepting the system, that they believe that as long as they aren't the ones on the bottom cast, they're okay. Uh, but again, the author likes to take a more hopeful approach. Uh, so what is the hopeful approach? The author believes that there can be societies that exist without uh, this caste system anymore. The author cites as the time period in Nazi Germany, after the fall of Nazi Germany in particular, when the other governments intervened and there was an East and West Germany, and there was a time in West Germany when everyone was considered equal and democracy prevailed and that there was a time when it would actually work to everyone's benefit. And that is an important part of how democracy works. If everybody is equally represented and equally on an even playing field, as this book likes to point out, then there wouldn't be a need for a caste system. 
there wouldn't be a need for racism because putting someone else down or making someone feel better to feel good about yourself wouldn't work if everyone is considered equal. And that is what democracy is ultimately trying to do. So what happens? What's next? Well, the author makes some helpful suggestions, but at the end of the day, she thinks that it, you know, what society is doing and how can we fight this is just trying to treat each other with better respect and be more understanding of society and in general, be aware of problems that exist in our world. No government or society is perfect, but what we are saying is that if you are aware of the problem and you are aware of something that exists in society, such as police brutality or economic uh, consequences or health, underlying health issues, maybe something can be done about it. Uh, you know, having a system of government that has a health care system in place for all its citizens, or maybe having, uh, you know, economic assistance and programs for people who are struggling, or maybe even treating people with respect by law, as Germany does, and makes it illegal to have symbols of a repressive government, such as the Nazi uh, swastika. These are all just examples of things that you can do in society. But as an individual person, what can you do? Well, as an individual person, what you can do is treat your neighbor with respect. Your neighbor might be different than you, and that's okay. And that's the idea behind this book, is that if we all treat each other with the respect we want to be treated, then maybe one day the world will be a better place, a place in which we all can get along, a place in which everyone will be happy and you know, let other people be uh, happy with their existence as well. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for letting me ramble to you. Of course, if you have any questions about this podcast, feel free to email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16, at yahoo.com. Anyway, thank you for listening to today's podcast episode.